Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome again to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and I am Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. We come to you through four media channels, here at Blog Talk Radio, through our online newsletters, via our magazine, and now video channel. They are now all available to you at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Each month, we touch more than one million small business leaders through our various channels. Each hour here at Small Business Digest Radio, we hope to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are carefully chosen for their expertise or experience. They do not pay to be on this program, but rather our editors and readers identify them. We also identify the topics of possible interest for our audiences. If you have any suggestions or particular topics you want us to cover, please email us at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. Tonight's program, like all our efforts, have a wide diversity of guests talking about the topics you want to hear. Good evening, and uh, again, welcome to the show. Uh, Our first guest uh, I'm kind of excited about because uh, I just finished reading her book, Uh, Vicki Malazzo uh, has written a very interesting book, Good Old Boy good old boy decline eight tips to help women take over the c-suite well i'm a good old boy and i hope i'm not in decline but vicky welcome to the show well thank you for being here and uh i know that's the focus of our interview tonight and the book wicked success is to help women to basically get into that c-suite well um uh, small businesses, uh, more small businesses are started by women than men right now, if uh, all the, uh, the statistics that, that I've been reading indicate. But, um, uh, and we're going to get into this. I, I brought you, I invited you onto the program because uh, some of the ideas you had in, in your book I thought were directly transferable uh, to, to uh, small business uh, leaders, men and women. And uh, uh, I hope we can kind of uh, uh, work on that premise. But uh, as I ask all guests, first tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and uh, your background and how you came to write the book. Well, like your listeners, I'm a small business owner. I'm a registered nurse, and I actually started my business back in 1982, a time when registered nurses didn't really own businesses. But I basically took my experience and turned it into a business and the business is consulting with attorneys on medical related cases and then from there I started to train registered nurses throughout the US and since the majority of registered nurses are women it was just kind of a natural for me after 31 years in business that I had something to say to all women who were interested in either corporate success or success as an entrepreneur Okay. Uh, Do you still have the business? Oh, absolutely. My core business is training and certifying registered nurses as certified legal nurse consultants. I'm a working CEO. (laughs) Well, as a working CEO, uh, tell us uh, what you think are the uh, – what are the three things that you've learned from being a working CEO that that you you would like to share with our audience? Well, I think one of the things that's so important is to just always act like the person that you're striving to be. It's not a fake it till you make it mentality, but it's you're already there. You're already playing the part because people basically, they want to do business with people that they perceive to be successful. So when you already 
act as though you are a successful business owner, then you're going to get more people interested in you. Well, that's very interesting. Um, uh, a success breeds success and uh, persona. Uh, yeah, do most think- people don't like that, but it's so true. You know, successful people they're going to be more successful. And successful people are always kind of waiting in the wings for other people to fail <laughs> because they know the business is there. It's just a matter of when and how. Okay. Now, having said that, how do you project a successful image? Well, I think that's all about the confidence that you put out, but it's obviously confidence with some level of humility. Not, I'm not talking about arrogance. It's also that first impression, whether it's what we're wearing, how we're communicating and articulating to people. It's everything. Image is everything in today's world. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I think that's uh, uh, very accurate. But... Um, in your book, you talk about the the ways uh, women can succeed inside uh, corporations and uh, the good old uh, boy network. Uh, uh, why don't you expand a little bit on that? And uh, uh, the floor is yours. Uh, to talk. Well, for sure, it's women's time, right? I mean, we have wonderful examples today. The Facebook CEO, of Sheryl Sandberg, Yahoo's CEO, Marissa Meyer, we have wonderful role models. And I think the key that we will notice with successful people is they don't make themselves commodities in the workplace. And what I mean by being a commodity, you become that invisible employee who just kind of does your job and you kind of shrink into your chair. But people who are successful, they are the ones who are going to get up there, they're going to take on the big projects, the stuff that's going to get noticed by their supervisor or by the CEO. And it's kind of what I call go big or go home. You know, today we're all so enamored with all of the, uh, what I call the feel-good addictions in the workplace. And, in fact, we know today that a lot of people are even doing personal, uh, let's say, social media at work. But at the end of the day, if you're uh, texting to your friends or checking out your your colleagues on Facebook, is that going to get you that promotion you're thinking about? Well, let me uh, – um, my wife happens to be a Harvard MBA, and uh, when she went to school they did uh, to Harvard, they did an interesting experiment where uh, they filmed a, uh, a classroom and what they noticed was that uh, uh, what the women said was not taken as uh, 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 as important as what the men would say. And if a woman said something early in the class, it was kind of passed over. But when a man said the same thing later on, uh, it, it was noted. Uh, and uh, I, having been in the corporate world myself, um, and admittedly, it's uh, changed somewhat, but uh, uh, there, there seems to be uh, still lingering this idea that uh, uh, the uh, the men uh, reign and the women do. Uh, do you want to comment on that? Well, you mentioned earlier more women start businesses than men, and that might be one of the reasons because, for example, for some women – they're not the Sheryl Sandbergs of the world, you know, and they're not going to be COO of Facebook. And so they decide they're not willing to wait to break through that glass ceiling, and they take their talents and they do something else with it, i.e., go out and start their own business. And so I think you're absolutely right, and I think smart women know that there's options, and that's what women today are starting to click to. Well, uh, you know, you bring that up. <clears throat> the front page of the New York Times business section featured a story about a, a ri- rising uh, tech company. But what was interesting is that they showed the uh, the leadership, and it was all male. I saw that photo, yes. And uh, uh, interestingly, too, today more women are getting are earning bachelor's degrees 
And in fact, 63% of master's degrees are earned by females today. So we know that the trend is there, and I think the time is now to start to seize that and to do something with it. Well, if uh, what would be the three things you would tell a small a, a woman starting or managing a small business today uh, to do to really raise her her visibility and that of her company? Well, everything's marketing. I've been saying that for 31 years of owning a business. You know, we have a I think a great product that we offer, but at the end of the day, if you don't market that product properly, then what good is it, right? And so everything is marketing, and that really is business. And so I say just get out there and do everything you can to market and be tuned in to the ways that we have to market today because marketing today is different than it was 10 years ago. Well, that's very true. I've seen a lot of differences. Um but getting out there marketing, how does a woman go, get out there to market without um, uh, being too overly aggressive about it? A, a, a man can be pushy, but a woman is aggressive, even if they have the same level of, uh, 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 I don't, I, I, the word I want is the, the, uh, getting out there. What can they, how can they do it? Is it a well, matter women are of- so great at collaboration and connecting with people. So social media is the perfect outlet for us because when we're in social media, for example, on Facebook or in LinkedIn, it's all about connections. And it's not just taking from somebody, right? It's giving as well. So I think it's the perfect outlet for women. Now, that's an interesting point that I haven't heard in our discussions. So you're saying that social media is a, per, is a good outlet for women because it allows them to use some of their, their basic uh, innate talent. Absolutely. And the, the other thing is you mentioned about how women were not necessarily perceived as saying something significant. Interestingly, last year there was a Harvard Business Review study that basically identified that when you add more men into a group discussion or a brainstorm in the corporate setting, the group intelligence doesn't really change. But when you add more women, it does. And I believe that corporations are starting to catch on more and more that you need both. You need both men and women in the workplace. We bring different skills and different qualities, I think, to the table. Uh, uh, On that note, I have a friend who founded a a program called ELAM, which is for women scientists. And uh, over the the years, they're celebrating their 12th year, of the 11 uh, women who have now run medical schools in in this country, eight of them are now graduates of that program. And and, uh, she emphasized exactly what you're saying. but let me and, ask you this. And that's Go about ahead. networking, too. And that's another thing that women can even learn from men because men are masters at that, right? They yeah. they set up their alliances and they know how to network. And one of the things that I've tried to help women with is to network with more powerful people. Sometimes women will tend to network more with people at their own level. But we all know that it's not what you know, it's who you know. That's a truism that's alive and well in that corporate sector. That's an excellent point. Um, since we are, uh, our audience is small business, um, what do you think are the keys to uh, a, a woman leader in, in the small business environment? I think... Be yourself. Be a woman. Don't try to be a poor imitation of a man. It's undesirable for both men and women. And so use those feminine qualities that are typically attributed to women, qualities like collaboration, relationship building, agility. I think be yourself. Nobody wants to work with a bad imitation of a guy. That's a very accurate statement. Uh, um, the name of the name of your book uh, again is the the good old boy decline. Eight tips to help women take over the C-suite. Do, uh, do you think that um, well we have examples that you mentioned and Meg Whitman uh, 
uh, over at HP. Um, do you see a, a, a sea change going on now? Oh, absolutely. And again, Sheryl Sandberg is such a, a wonderful example of that, and I think she's bringing a lot of these issues to the table. And the time is right for women right now. And there are companies like Facebook who recognize women. So if you're not in the right company, there's other options out there. Okay. Uh, any final comments you want to say to our audience? Just that if you have a business that you know offers value, just get out there and sell it. That's the key. Well, if thank it's you. Quality people will buy it. Well, thank you, Vicky, for coming on tonight and uh, being with us. Again, the name of the book is "Good Old Boy," uh, "Good Old Good Old Boy Decline: Eight Tips to Help Women uh, Take Over the C-Suite." The C-Suite being the top layer. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. Our next guest is Carl Etzel. He's CEO of DCT. Um, And I'm going to let him explain what DCT means because we're going to talk about the paperless future. Carl, are you with us? Hi, I'm here, Don. How are you? I'm great. How are you? And welcome back to the show. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. Well, you're one of the few that we've invited back so far in this show. Uh, Carl, for our audience, tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we get into a topic that I've been talking about for 40 years. But please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, my background, actually, just before I came to DCT, is uh, I was a small business owner um, here in Silicon Valley, and uh, before that, I worked in a handful of different technology companies, but it was really my, my experience as a small business owner that to a large degree motivated uh, my interest in coming to DCT, and in particular, my interest in how we've launched and, and positioned SimpleScan as a product, um, as, as a productivity solution for small business owners. I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of small businesses. I think they're an important part of the economy. They're an important part of communities. And um, so I'm, I'm, I feel really fortunate to be able to work on bringing to market uh, technology to help them compete with some of the larger corporations um, and really access the power of technology to, to serve their customers and run their businesses more efficiently. Well, uh, we'll get to the simple scan in a moment, but essentially what we're talking about is the paperless uh, office. The idea that uh, over time we could eliminate all that paper that, that uh, surrounds us all. Um, and SimpleScan is one of those products, but let's talk about it. Uh, uh, and I'm uh, let's talk about it because, uh, as I said, uh, for 40 years I've heard we're going to have the world of a paperless uh, office. And uh, 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 I guess my, uh, my point is, uh, a lot of people, particularly my, the older generations, like the feel of paper and feel the confidence of it. Uh, but why would a paperless office be more, more efficient and help a small business? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, you know, I actually agree. I think paper is a great interface. I think, um, and I still have, I still use paper um, every day. And, and I actually, we don't think paper is going to go away completely. What we think is that um, it, it's going to diminish over time, but it's always going to be there because it's just, it works so well and people like it, right? The key thing is how do you make it merge and work efficiently in a world where um, two things have really changed the way people consume and use their data, cloud services and mobility. And what happens is when people start using mobile devices and they start using cloud services, they start to really extract a lot more value from having data digitized. And so a lot of what SimpleScan is about isn't necessarily so much trying to drive a paperless office but trying to help it work in concert and work really efficiently with the tools that are available um, in the cloud and with mobile devices to, to make data more accessible and more valuable. Uh, so, so I totally agree with you. I, I actually you know, don't think the paperless, purely paperless office is, is going to come. We do think it's going to decrease, and actually we have features built into SimpleScan that, that work in that environment as well. But uh, the paper is a great interface, and people will continue to use it. 
Well, um, you, you say the mobile world, uh, and uh, again, as, as it was explained to me, not by uh, your company, by another one, essentially, because we're having, uh, we're doing so much on a mobile basis, and we have uh, so many people not coming to the office but working in trucks uh, and at home, and at home, that uh, the ability to reach into the central vault of uh, of data and paper is extremely important today and growing so uh, each each day. And Absolutely. is that how you're saying? Is that what you believe? Uh, is that what you're addressing? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, once the data becomes accessible anytime, anywhere, um, and on any platform, uh, it, it, it really increases in value, right? And you can make decisions faster. You can be more responsive to customers. In a lot of cases, you can use it to reduce costs. I mean, we see companies, um, you know, using the, the flexibility of workers to work from home to reduce their real estate footprint. There's a lot of things that, that, can, that can happen with that. Um, and, so, uh, and so we think, and we think that can be a really powerful tool for small businesses. And, and we yeah. see that happening. If you look at the adoption of cloud services, um, small businesses, and when I say small, I'm talking about less than 10 employees, they're actually very enthusiastic adopters of cloud services um, because they're nimble, and frankly, because you know they have to be focused on making really good technology investments uh, to to make themselves more efficient. But there was uh, one pro one point that was brought up to me uh, at a focus group we did a couple of weeks ago was that the the concern is security and the confidentiality. Mm-hmm. How do you address that? Um, in this focus group, one of the people brought up the fact that uh, his system had been hacked and all of his secrets yeah. were gone. So how do you address that issue? Yeah, that's, you know, that one comes up a lot. And I think that you, know, you have to look at security holistically because it, it's easy to look at really big cases, hacking cases, where somebody gets into a prominent website. But what's interesting is when you look at actually the biggest threats to businesses of losing their data, a lot of times it's, it's very old-fashioned ways of losing data, things like former employees stealing computers and, and stealing hard drives. Um, you know, all the paper you have laying around isn't very secure if there's a flood or a fire in your office. Uh, whereas if you look at some of these cloud services, especially the bigger, more established ones, they have a tremendous amount of money invested in, in running a highly secure, highly reliable service. So, um, so I, I totally understand the, the concern, and we actually have, have addressed, you know, have a lot of things built into, into our roadmap to help address that with respect to document management and SimpleScan. But I think, it, you know, the key, the thing, I guess if I had to say for a business owner, I would look broadly at all of your real security threats with your data, and how do those, what threats do you already have that you're maybe not paying attention to? We're all concerned about security. We're also concerned about uh, flexibility. Um, uh, St- uh, Mr. Snowden has certainly uh, demonstrated that a, an employee can steal secrets fairly easily. Um, uh, but let's go on to, uh, to, uh, to another point that was brought up in this uh, focus group. But, um, uh, but the, the nice thing about having it in the cloud is that you can pull it down from any place you are, as you were saying. But uh, sometimes, how, how do you compartmentalize? Uh, there, there's some things that you as president don't want employees to know, for instance, uh, <clears throat> employee salaries, et cetera. How do you compartmentalize that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So that comes back to uh, you know, where exactly are you storing the data and what, what flexibility do they have to enforce policies? And so... If you look at um, some of the cloud storage services, and there's a wide variety of them out there, a lot of them are realizing that really to get into the enterprise and get into businesses, they have to enable these policy-type decisions and, and rules. And um, if, you look at, if you look at enterprise content management and document management as an industry, um, it's traditionally been you know, mostly provided by large companies selling to other really large companies. When I say large, I mean 
you know, 500 to 1,000 and larger employees have had dedicated document management systems. The small businesses have really handled this on a very ad hoc way, right? Document storage is the hard drive of the owner's, you know, computer. Um, as you go into the cloud, a lot of the cloud services are really addressing some of these things by enabling the rules and the policies uh, around permissions. And, and that's something that a business owner has to consider. Answer. Now, what does SimpleScan do? So SimpleScan is uh, basically a, a document management system that includes uh, capture and uh, in multiple different modes, capture with either a desktop scanner or with a, a mobile app on your phone or tablet. It also includes uh, the ability to connect with cloud services for either storage or document processing. Uh, we recently added an integration with accounting systems to actually enable you to input invoice data into your accounting system. And we really see it as just the beginning of a larger suite of document management services uh, that integrate with business applications. And um, SimpleScan is actually built on a technology platform that's also accessible to other app developers who want to integrate these, these features and functions into their business applications. Well, right now I have uh, I'm a small business and I have all of my uh, stories all all of my materials on my um, my computer um, and uh, and I have a I could put in a system whereby I could uh, um, address my computer from uh, any place in the world I don't like to do that because I'm worried about security but mm -hmm. how does simple scan uh, and products like yours. We don't want to make it too much of a commercial for you, but uh, sure. you, you do have a good system. Uh, how, do you, uh, uh, how do you take that step and move it forward? Um, give me a feeling that I, um, uh, I can feel comfortable leaving that computer and putting it up there in the cloud and in your system. Sure. Well, I think so. <laughs> You know, first of all, SimpleScan, like I said, is really designed to integrate with a few specific cloud services. If you're talking about just more generally turning your turning your computer or sort of virtualizing it, um, you know, that that sort of gets into a realm that's a little bit outside of what what we focus on in the document management world. What I would say is, if you're looking to move your data to the cloud, you need to consider a couple of key things. One, you need to consider, um, you know, is it only going to be accessible by you, or is it data that you want to share? If you're going to share it, do you want to share it with people who are inside your company, or do you also need to share it with partners outside the company, customers, vendors, um, and uh, you know, other, other business partners? And really try to segment off the data and how you want to use it and, and how you want to share it. And then you can figure out what's the right place for it to go. Um, most a lot of businesses wind up with actually multiple different sort of storage systems depending on how they want to do this. So I mean, I'll just you know, give you a good example. A really popular file sharing service is one called Dropbox. It's used by a large number of businesses. Um, in fact, it's used by a large number of corporations sort of unofficially. It's part of a big trend called BYOA, bring your own application, where the company employees just go get a Dropbox account and they use it to share files with vendors and suppliers, et cetera. But um, you might use that for things that are a little bit, have a little bit less stringent security requirements and control requirements. And you might use a different service where you need to really tightly control who has access um, and where you might want to be able to track who's made revisions and um, you know, things like that. So I think that's the first step is just figuring out what's all the data and how do you want to use it. Well, you've just cl clarified a point that has been bothering me. The nice thing about being a reporter is you learn a lot from people like you. But what, what, you're, what you're in effect saying is your system is uh, designed to manage the, uh, uh, manage the, uh, the information uh, uh, rather than be part of, than deliver something that's uh, universally shared, et cetera, if, if I'm if I heard you correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I want to clarify, uh, being a small business, uh, and uh, we conduct uh, uh, focus groups, and uh, quite frankly, many of these terms and many of these ideas and uh, the cloud are perplexing many small businesses as they uh, try to <clears throat> navigate what is definitely a, a rapid transformation. 
It is. One of the things, and you know, one of the reasons we have the word simple in the name of the product is we, we very much recognize that small business owners do not have time to, uh, to really worry much about technology, and, uh, and they really don't, you know, they don't care much intrinsically about it. And a lot of small business owners get into business because they're, they're dedicated to their craft, whether it's, you know, running a bakery or a flower shop or a car mechanic shop or whatever, and they don't want to think about document management and the cloud and, you know, accounting systems and whatever. Well, um, as usual, you do a great job. If people want to uh, learn more about you, uh, uh, your product, how do they do it? Uh, simplescan.com. You can learn all about the different document management services that are included. You can learn about our mobile apps and, uh, of course, you know, buy the product there. Uh, always good, glad to have you on the program, Carl. And I, I want to bring you back after the new year uh, when uh, things become even more interesting as everybody brings in their new products. So Absolutely. hopefully you'll come back. Absolutely. we got a lot of new things in the pipeline. You, uh, look forward to it. Okay, thanks so much, Don. No, thank you, Carl. Um, our next guest is Robert Glower. Um, he's a COO of IOU Central, and we're going to talk about financing and a lot of other things. Bob, are you on? I am, Don. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, as uh, we always do, we first ask our guests a little bit about themselves. Um, uh, a little bit about your background and how you came to be with IOU Central before we get into uh, any other topics. Sure. Yeah, I am um, the son of uh, a couple entrepreneurs. Um, my uh, mother owned a catering company and my father owned a, a yacht chartering company in Florida and uh, got into the banking world uh, a little over 25 years ago. Um, I worked for a lot of the big banks across the country through the years, and really uh, saw an opportunity to uh, to, to better the process. Um, and we kind of started off on the adventure of IOU Central in 2008 uh, to to better that uh, small business lending process for small business owners. Well, we've had a couple of people on uh, in recent weeks on that. Um, whenever we do our surveys, uh, uh, one of the main things people, uh, small business leaders tell us is the difficulty of finding financing that uh, fits their needs. Uh, so I'm going to throw, uh, start off by letting you t say a little bit about what IOU Central does. You, you really got in this program because I love your, uh, uh, you, the, the title of your company. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, we, we basically took the original, kind of the traditional uh, commercial banking process. It's a, it's a high-touch um, it's thick paper files, which uh, probably makes uh, Carl, your previous guest, uh, shake a little bit because they were really thick, a lot of paper, uh, a lot of estimates, a lot of uh, data from their accountants and attorneys and, and everything else, um, and we've reduced that documentation substantially. So like your previous guest was talking about, this data is stored in the cloud, right? And there's databases all over the place that we can access to triangulate and build out a financial profile of a small business in seconds versus what would take a small business owner potentially days or even weeks to put together. So what we do is, is when a merchant comes in and applies online or a small business owner applies online, we can go out to you know, over a dozen different databases, pull data on that small business owner, recreate it in real time and give a quick decision, yes or no, you know, on a on a, a loan opportunity for that small business on smaller loans, which is really, you know, when you look at a lot of the, the Federal Reserve studies, uh, you know, if they, they don't need two million dollars. The they need twenty or thirty thousand dollars to take advantage of an inventory purchase or something along those lines. And a lot of times they don't want to go through a three-month process with a bank for a thirty or $60,000 inventory purchase when they could do it in a day or two with a lender like us. 
Well, um, you, you bring up an interesting point. Uh, again, in our studies and our focus groups, we're really talking about the small amounts. Uh, someone once told me it's easier to raise $5 million than 500000 and certainly a lot easier to, to, to get 500000 than 50000 uh, Is that what you found? Well, it it really depends on the business. And so, you know, banks and and a lot of times the government in certain arenas define small business as anything with less than $20 million in revenue. Well, you and I may not define a small business as $20 million in revenue, right? <laughs> the, the restaurant owner down the street, the dry cleaner down the street, the doctor's office, the dentist's office, the auto repair guy, $20 million in revenue is pretty big. <laughs> but well, I, they're all kind of lumped into this definitional category of small business when they're really not small business. They're, they're, you, know, you hate to call them kind of micro businesses, but as compared to a lot of the bank definitions, these really are very smaller, you know, much smaller businesses. Well, uh, our audience, the audience you're talking to now, is primarily made up of companies uh, under 50 employees and uh, 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 well, going all the way down to five or less employees. Uh, my definition of a small business is when they say it's the company, it's a big business. When they say my company, it's a small business. That's how I That's look right. at it. Um, I've heard the definition, if you've never hit, put payroll on your own credit card, you know, you're not really a small business. <laughs> so, I haven't uh, heard we've that. Done that. We financed, you know, we financed uh, payroll on new credit cards in the early days. And, you know, that's what it takes to be an entrepreneur in this country. And it's, these guys are, are taking a lot of risk, you know, personally, and uh, they should be rewarded for it in long term and not penalized for it. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, do you require a personal guarantee with your uh, loans? We do. Uh, we, we require a personal guarantee. Um, we, we don't collateralize them, so we're not requiring, you know, that they have specific collateral, but we do require that they, that they, uh, that they put up a personal guarantee. Well, um, what what do you find are the most frequent frequent uh, reasons for borrowing from your your company? It it ranges from you know adding new staff. Uh, you know we had a we had a, a hospice uh, group that was literally adding more vehicles and more staff, and so they have to buy all that ahead of time, and they put the person in the field and they assign them appointments and. It takes a while for that cash flow to start coming in to help repay for that. So we can deploy capital to them very quickly, let them kind of seize that opportunity and get somebody in the field, um, and then you know over time they uh, they pay that off back over time. Our, our loans are a little different in that somebody can apply literally in the morning on a Monday and be looking at their documents on a Tuesday. And literally, you know, like your, your prior guest, Carl, was talking about having a paperless system. I think we're the only paperless lender in the country. So everything is through the Internet. They even sign their, mouth, their, their documents with their mouse, uh, like you sign at the grocery store, you know, a digital signature. And uh, we transfer money the next day into their account. We wait three days before we charge interest or, or payments. And then we pull out small payments every single day until the loan's repaid. Well, uh, let me ask you this: uh, Have you noticed of um, we've we've gone? So, some people say we're out of the, of the recession; others say we're still in it. But over the last three years, have you have you seen a marked increase or decrease in, in borrowing? Um, I've seen a marked increase. Um, I think the, the small business owner is kind of starting to stick their head out of the foxhole. They're wanting to grow their business. There's still a lot of uncertainty from what we can tell in talking to the small business owners. But um, overall, they seem like they're, they're trying to come out and grow the business and grow their organization and take advantage of opportunities. 
Oh, well, you've been around for a while. Um, uh, so you, uh, uh, if I hear you correctly, you're saying that uh, you're starting to see an uptick of people of optimism. Would that be correct? That's correct. Yep. Well, that's a good. That's good to hear. Um, what do you think? Um, let's look into. The, uh, I'm starting now to ask people to look at next year. How do you see things for, for your company and for the for your uh, uh, audience in general? You know, I, 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 we've been growing at, a, at, an, at an enormous clip, and part of it is that a lot of people hadn't heard about us, and as word's starting to spread, we're, we're gaining a lot of traction. We did about, uh, you know, we, we, we've grown, you know, over 200% in the year 2013. We expect to deploy another, you know, $120 million or so in, in loans in 2014, so we're we're growing at a very rapid pace. I think that uh, as business owners continue to start to see what unfolds with the economy and see that things, you know, it's it's not complete gloom and doom. Um, we've had a lot of issues with the government here, as we all know, over the last uh, couple of months. Well, even a couple of years. Um, as Obamacare and, and that works its way out one way or the other, I think people will gain more confidence as we keep going. Well, uh, do, do you get doctors and, and uh, dentists uh, uh, seeking to borrow through you? We do. About 30% of our business is in the healthcare field. So a lot of doctors, dentists, optometrists, etc. cetera. You know, a lot of them have had to move to electronic uh, filings and you know they're they're upgrading equipment and there's a lot of systems out there now that will automatically check people in and scan their insurance cards and things like that that you know a lot of these doctors are buying you know, technology to help boost their business what other fields have you seen uh, an uptick uh, this year what other sectors um, I think uh, the big surprise kind of for me was auto repair. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people are are uh, driving older vehicles and maintaining them and taking care of them. So we've seen a, a quite an uptick in in auto repair businesses. Um, seems like they're they're growing probably a, a little you know a little faster pace than than others. We've seen a downturn in, you know, things like fine jewelry and, you know, more of the uh, more of the uh, disposable income type uh, products. Um, do you know what's the average size of the company that borrows from you? I'm just um, curious. About, yeah, we we range from about 120,000 in, in in revenue to a high side of about five million, six million in revenue. And the average is probably two and a half million. And the average client of ours has been in business about eleven and a half years. Uh, and again, daily daily sales or daily transactions, which which is how our payment process works, where it, it's matching their cash flow to our payments. That's really interesting. Uh, I, I've often felt that the companies like you are real barometers of what's happening in the economy, particularly in the small business side. Uh, how do you um, how do you feel per- personally about uh, the way th- things will be in 2014? I'm you know I'm I'm an optimist at heart. <laughs> you have to be. So I'm, a small I'm, that's true. I'm I'm uh, I'm trying to believe the best. I, you know, for for IOU Central, I'm I'm extremely bullish. <laughs> um, for the economy in general, I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic. How's that, Don? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, the country might run on technology, but it's the finance people who really know what's going on. And that's uh, why I always ask. That's why I'm so glad you're on the program to- tonight. Um, uh, do you have a uh, – if someone were uh, – some small business were applying for your to your company, um, 
what advice do you give them uh, uh, to put their house in order? Uh, My, and, and for me, yeah, I think the big thing is to, to really understand how much money their company needs and what they're going to do with it and what their return on investment, what they feel in their gut their return on investment is. So I really don't – and there's so many different loan products on the market that to just ask what the interest rate is isn't good enough. They need to take their total of what they pay in fees and interest and even time and really compare apples to apples with the total cost of the loan or financing, whether it's equity or debt, and compare it against their return on invested capital to understand, is it worth buying this extra 40000 in inventory at a discount or not, right? Whatever they're, whatever they're using that money for. And then secondly, I think a lot of the alternative lenders like us are looking at everything. So in a traditional bank financing, they're looking at individual components critically. So they look at the business critically, the financials critically, the personal financials critically, the credit critically. We're looking at everything and we're looking at the, the whole picture. So if their cash flow is declining, but their credit, score, or their credit score is declining, but their cash flow is very good in the business, what else is good? So as an example, on a restaurant, we're pulling the health score ratings, automated. So they come into our system as soon as they apply, and I know how clean their restrooms are and how cold the chicken is in their refrigerator. <laughs> Because the, the pride they take in their business is important to me. If I'm going to make an exception on their credit score or I'm going to make an exception on their cash flow, I want to know that they take pride in their business. What people are saying about them online, you know, is important. And to some business owners, it may not be important. They go, ah, people are going to say what they want to say. But to us, you know, we look at that. We look at consumer ratings and and customer reviews on a small business, and if it comes to the fence, you know, that, that may push us one way or the other on our decisions. Uh, that's a, a great point to end. Uh, I, I, I want to invite you back uh, after the first of the year to talk further as we get into the year about your company and about uh, uh, small business lending in general. If you'll come I'd, back, I'd appreciate the opportunity, Don. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you very much. Have a great night. You too. Our last guest is Mark, Mark Colwell, who's been part of uh, Go Health for us uh, for a long time. Mark, are you with uh, Mark? Are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Don. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you. Well, um, uh, we're going to talk about Obamacare and a few other things. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, we ask all our guests that question first. Sure, sure. Uh, I started at, the, at Go Health about seven years ago and uh, have been working and growing with the company and watched its really its great success and its great growth over the last few years. So I've been working in marketing uh, in, in their department for a long time, looking at what consumers are doing and and uh, working on our product and getting people insured. Well, uh, I have a question for you. You have a system. Why didn't the government use you rather than have the mess we have today? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. And, and actually, they, they sort of did that. Uh, you know, they went out there uh, a few months ago, and we announced that we agreed with the government to be a web broker entity. And what, what that really means is that we're licensed and approved to sell uh, on-marketplace plans and help uh, people out uh, through our tools to enroll on these new marketplace plans for 2014. So really, we're working together. So uh, certainly there's a lot of news and, and a lot of talk about how the healthcare.gov is broken, but uh, you know, they, they've got us uh, sort of on the wings, and, and we've been talking to consumers already, and, and we have a, a good working marketplace right now. So in other words, um, if, I'm, if I'm a, consu a consumer 
I can go onto your site and essentially get the plans that the government can't do right now? You can talk to us about the plans. Now, uh, the enrollment piece is still a little bit uh, hairy right now. Uh, there's, there, there's an integration that we're all kind of waiting for, and uh, we haven't been able to enroll folks just yet uh, in those 2014 plans, but we, we're sure that that's coming. So what you can do now, though, is you can certainly talk to us about your situation. You know, we still have a few months until 2014 anyway, so if you're looking to get a plan right now and you need coverage right now, we can help you out with that. And if you, if you want to talk to us about what your options are overall for 2014, we can talk to you. We have a lot of licensed agents uh, here in Chicago staffed up, so uh, we're, we're ready and willing to help anyone who, who needs it. Well, do you, well, we're a small business program. Do you have programs for small business? So in the health insurance world, small businesses are kind of broken up into two different types. One is the, the small businesses that can go ahead and afford employer-based coverage, uh, which is uh, where most people get their insurance today. So if they can't afford uh, the group insurance, they go for that. Uh, or small businesses can say, hey, uh, employees need to go out into the individual market and, and purchase coverage on their own. Now, prior to 2014, that was a big problem because if you had a pre-existing condition, you'd have problems purchasing individual coverage because of underwriting and the fact that pre-existing conditions uh, were um, uh, something that could be used against you as far as coverage and price, and you could even get denied for coverage. But 2014, uh, that's now prohibited by law. So small businesses have a little bit more options with their coverage now, uh, and individuals that uh, work for small businesses don't necessarily have to worry about that same fact that if they have a pre-existing condition, they may be denied in the private market. Uh, oh, okay, well, uh, if you're under 50 employees, um, you, you, you have uh, a certain um, uh, waivers, uh, and I, ha I don't want to use that term. You, uh, you're not covered by a lot of the law uh, laws covered over for someone with 51 employees. But um, uh, I'll, I'll throw the general question open. Where do you see uh, the small business uh, uh, owner t uh, today looking at 2014? Is he better off today than he was uh, uh, he or she was uh, before Obamacare kicked in, or is he worse off? Well, uh, I, I think that's a tough question. Um, I, I think that in some cases you're better off, in some cases maybe not. Uh, I think in uh, a lot of the a lot of what's going on, a lot of provisions of this new law are, are good for small businesses uh, and, and provide good tax credits for providing benefits. Um, but I think overall. If you're really to look at it, you'd probably say it's better off because individuals, again, that don't have access to employer coverage, which is a guaranteed issue, uh, they now have that same guaranteed issue provision in the individual market. So if their small business employer doesn't offer health benefits, they still can have access to coverage uh, with a pre-existing condition where uh, previously they would not have that. So I would say that it's probably a better thing overall, um, but for a small business, certainly you have to look at what your what your costs are and how you want to administer your benefits and uh, certainly where your employees are and what you think makes sense for your for your workforce well um, uh, the Wall Street Journal today uh, had an interesting article about the fact that uh, uh, small businesses can uh, under the law right now can can self-insure uh, like the big boys do and uh, uh, I bring it up only because you, uh, uh, I believe you were mentioned in the article. Um, is self-insurance something that uh, a small business owner should consider? Well, it, it, I think I think that uh, for the most part, it's going to be tough for a lot of small businesses to do that, depending on their size and their reach. Uh, you know, if you want to self-insure, you certainly have to make sure that you have the right administration there, and you have the access to uh, a lot of variety of healthcare providers in your area. So can you actually provide a good network for your for your policyholders? So I think that's a tough question, and I think that um, for the most part, small businesses are going to have to be careful with that, and certainly they're going to have to do a lot, put a lot of thought into it if they, if they do consider it. Um, uh, like I said, I think, I think it's a pretty tough question, and, and it's not something that's uh, really, really easy to do. Well, um, well, I'm, I'm sorry to be asking you tough questions. It's just that uh, uh, our feedback from we've been getting 
uh, p- particularly after uh, the government site went kablooey, is that uh, uh, small businesses are really concerned uh, about their future. Um, but but you're here, you're on the program. What did you want to talk about? Oh well, honestly, tough questions are okay with us. We take them all the time, and 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 we certainly welcome them because health insurance is uh, is a very complicated product. And and really, what what's important, and certainly why I'm here today, is is to tell people, hey, uh, it, go out and and, and ask folk, ask, ask questions about uh, your insurance situation, and talk to experts like. We certainly like Go Health, and, and we're here to help uh, because uh, because health insurance is such a complex product. Uh, we like to say it's even the, the second biggest purchase decision you really ever make in your life uh, outside of your home. Uh, because of that, you really have to take a lot into account, and it's not like going to any random website and, and buying a, a random product. You really have to put a lot of thought into it, how it's going to affect you, is it right for your family and your budget and your individual situation. So uh, it's we we really preach and we really like to give advice to say talk to an advisor and 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 uh, come and ask a lot of questions because uh, likely you you have a lot of questions about your health insurance and healthcare. Well, uh, uh, let me ask you this question: the um, the, the press secretary calls the previous health care health insurance that people bought individually as being substandard. How do you, who sell um, uh, health insurance and have been doing it for for a while, you have? Uh, uh, were you selling a substandard uh, uh, insurance that people were buying? I mean, how does uh, one no. answer that question? Sure, De- definitely not. You know, we we sell uh, certainly all products that are. Um, uh, full real insurance products but we do uh, in on one hand though live we lived in the in the pre 2014 world where a pre-existing condition and a health condition can affect your uh, your uh, uh, i guess your eligibility for insurance so if you did have a if you did have a health condition a chronic health condition you could be limited in what you could purchase in the individual market so that is really uh, i'm assuming that's what they're talking about there Okay. Um, uh, your website is ehealth.com? We're gohealth.com. Well, well, I have to tell you, I have bought uh, insurance off your website. Okay. Uh, in the pre-2013, uh, in fact, almost uh, when you first started out, uh, I, I used your, uh, I tested your uh, uh, system and found it very good. So I've been giving you a hard time, but I want people to know that uh, you, you you do you do your company does serve a good purpose. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, well, uh, uh, I, I, what we're we're hearing and what we're seeing in our surveys is, is a lot of uh, dismay over how things have gone over the last uh, 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 couple of months. And uh, uh, hopefully it'll be straightened out. And uh, it's interesting that you told me. I, again, I love this program because I learn a lot. You're saying sometime in the future people could go to your site rather than Gov site and pick up and uh, get the same insurance. Did I hear you right? Yep, that, that's absolutely correct. Well, uh, then I learned something. And uh, perhaps some people will because... Uh, 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 I, if you try to go on that site, it's a it's an absolute disaster. But anyway, um, if people wanted to reach you and your company, how do they do it? Visit us at GoHealthInsurance.com and give us a call or see what you got online, and we'll help you out. We're here to help. All right. Thank you so much for coming. And um, I, I am going to invite you back after the first of the year when things settle down, and we'll try to see what the trends are. <laughs> sure, appreciate it, Don. Thanks for having me. Well, it says here that you're a data analyst, and you were also, uh, uh, in the past, actually had a, uh, cover, were a reporter or an editor to cover health care. So I always like to have people like that on the program. Thank you for, sure, for well. joining. Thank you for joining us tonight. Sure, thank you, Don. Thank you for listening tonight. 
All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.